taking the moral value away from food, right? Where it's not like good versus bad food. Like you said, it's still food. Macaroni and cheese in a package is still food. Um, it's going to have different value for us compared to whole foods, which will have a lot more nutrient density. So we're getting a lot more in terms of supporting our, our bodies that way. But the macaroni and cheese, it might be easy and it fills you up or it's something that you share with your friends that you just both really like and so you connect over it so coming back to that idea that food has so much more to it than just the nutritional value um, it's really important to set kids up with those skills to to be able to kind of decipher that and make that choice for themselves whether it is getting kids to eat a vegetable at the dinner table or dealing with cake candy and cupcakes at birthday parties it can be very difficult to navigate healthy eating with kids what can we do to model healthy relationships with food? That's the topic we're diving into with today's guest, Holly Zink. Holly is one of our amazing functional nutritionists here at Capital Integrative Health who works with her patients by prioritizing a healthy relationship with food while also using nutrition as a therapeutic tool. She works with adult patients on gut, cardiometabolic, and hormone health, but also enjoys working with a family to build a healthy relationship with food. If you're struggling to help your children enjoy healthy eating, don't miss this conversation. Welcome, Holly, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so um, let's talk first about what motivated you to become a nutritionist. Yeah, um, it's actually a very long, <laughs> winding story, so I'll just kind of try to, try to be concise. Um, I really um, have always been like fascinated by science and our bodies. I remember very clearly, like third grade, we swapped our cheek and like looked at the cells under the microscope and was just fascinated. So um, for a long time, wanted to be a doctor. Um, and in college, I actually fell in love with research um, in my senior year. So I kind of went that route instead. Um, and during that time, I actually started struggling with my own health issues, um, this kind of chronic cycle of migraines where as soon as one would end, another one would start. And it was really debilitating um, and very well-meaning doctors would give me, um, you know, medication on top of medication on top of medication, which stopped the cycle of migraines. So I'm very grateful for that. But it also gave me all of these other side effects that were kind of scary. Like one made it so that I couldn't find words like people I had known forever couldn't like find their name to, to say it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just being a, a scientist in my own research, um, started kind of digging into what was at the root of what was going on. And not a single person had mentioned to me like stress, lifestyle, the foods that you're eating. Um, and so I kind of did my own kind of experiment on myself and figured out that um, uh, contraceptive pills plus certain foods, um, the stress and kind of burning the candle at both ends um, working very long hours and just supporting myself with caffeine mm -hmm. to get through that um, was really at the core of it. So um, making those changes, uh, it was a really difficult time, but it was very eye-opening uh, that my body started shouting at me, you know, you can't keep living like this. Um, and so from that uh, at that time, I also became a mom and decided to stay home with my kids for a little while. And it gave me some time to reflect and keep kind of digging into like nutrition and lifestyle and health and wellness. And it, um, you know, t it kind of helped me shift into kind of a different perspective um, of science and health from a more conventional <clears throat> perspective to, um, you know, more holistic view. So I decided to go back to school uh, for nutrition. And it really is such a powerful um, 
uh, piece of, of health that I, I really uh, was excited to, to share that with other people and help empower them to, to take their health into their own hands. Thanks for sharing, Holly. Yeah. I think it's such a powerful story about, you know, dealing with the migraines, like you said, kind of mm-hmm. getting to the root causes. You've realized yeah. that lifestyle and stress and nutrition were at some of the roots of that. Mm-hmm. And um, when you started to shift that, how did your migraines change? Um, actually, I, you know, it, it, was, it went from a point where I was having them just almost constantly, couldn't eat. I lost a ton of weight to, you know, getting back to really maybe once every couple of years, I'll have a migraine now. Um, and it, it's gone within a couple of days, I feel much better. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your body's kind of found a way to heal itself. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people in integrative health, their stories, their personal experiences often drive the motivation to go into a career in integrative health. Yeah. How did you find integrative nutrition and uh, in the IH? Um, really just through my own research, you know, just I think um, getting interested in nutrition and starting to make some changes. I think the, the first um, uh, real dive into to the idea of eating more whole foods versus processed foods came from the Michael Pollan one of Michael Pollan's books, um, uh, In Defense of Food. And so from there, I just kept kind of digging and then just started researching different programs. Um, and MUIH uh, had a great reputation, and it was in Maryland, which was nice because I live in Maryland, so it was close by. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, just through my own research, I kind of ended up there. I love how MUIH nutrition ties in mind, body, and spirit all together. Mm-hmm. And we know that food is not only about the macronutrients, micronutrients, but it's also about nourishment and community and connection. How do you find food um, in terms of when you're eating with your kids? How do you find that food plays a role in that connection with the family? Oh yeah, food is such an important, has so many important um, or so much important value beyond you know the nutrients, like you said. And it is really a time to connect with people that you care about. It's a time, it's a way to show that you care about them by preparing food that nourishes their bodies. Um, and it gives you a moment, honestly, for me, I use it as a moment to kind of pause in my day and put aside everything else and just really um, check in with each other, connect with each other. Um, so it, it's really great for building that relationship with my kids. And we know that with kids, you know, how we approach food, how we approach the mealtime will often impact in the future, even even now with, with kids, right? I have kids as well. Mm-hmm. Um, their relationship with eating. Absolutely. You know, so um, what can we do to get our kids, our children more interested in, in healthy eating? You know, we know there's a lot of probably junk food commercials on TV. There's a lot of probably their peers are getting, you know, some uh, maybe maybe they're saying, hey, do you want to go to McDonald's, get a Happy Meal or something like that? Mm-hmm. So how do we get our children more excited about healthy eating? Yeah, uh, I will say there um, it's really a long game is the first <laughs> the first point to keep in mind is that there's never going to be um, a, a like a consistently perfect season in terms of your kids eating so have a little flexibility there because pressure will turn them to resist whatever you're trying to feed them so um, as much as possible just remembering that you know as long as they're coming back to um, you know you're having family meals regularly or you're providing them with options that are healthy and nourishing it's okay for them to kind of you know let let the outside influences in a little bit without uh, without putting any judgment on that. Um, <clears throat> and then to kind of help kind of build their skills in terms of feeding themselves healthy, nourishing food, um, 
really involve them, I think, is one of the most powerful things you can do. And that can look different depending on your family, um, what you know, your kids' developmental stage. So even kids who are toddlers can be involved in the process. It could be putting out uh, silverware on the table, or it could be tearing up a piece of lettuce for a salad or washing things off. And then as kids get older with some supervision, you can teach them knife skills, you can teach them to cook um, different things. And then you know, once they're teenagers, you, can, you could even ask them like once in a while to be the one who's responsible for, for the food. And when kids have that um, autonomy and they feel like they're, they're contributing to the family, um, it's really powerful in terms of how they, they start to take it on um, and, and put together meals. And, and so it's a skill that you're building over the course of the lifetime of your children. It's not something that's going to be an overnight, like, oh, this is healthy food, you should eat it. And they'll say, okay, great, give it to me. It's really a matter of, there's a lot of psychology involved in it, really. So it's a matter of just playing that long game and continuing to, to just build those skills wherever possible. So we teach our kids in school reading and writing and arithmetic, and we teach them at home how to sleep and how to exercise. Should we teach our kids how to cook? I think so. I think it's a, a really important life skill. Um, I I had basic knowledge when I came out of, of my home, but it was, I mean, in my very early 20s, it was a lot of, like, frozen fish sticks, and, like, you know, that counted as my my fish for the day, and it was, you know, battered and fried and probably not completely fish. I don't even know what was in the fish sticks, but um, I didn't have the the skills or the tools to do that. And I really do think um, I didn't even I didn't even typically like shop in the produce section. You know, I would go straight to those center aisles where everything was prepared already. So um, definitely didn't have the the tools that I needed to give my body what it needed at uh, which ended up backfiring on me <laughs> long term. So, you know, looking forward um, for, for, for kids growing up now, you know, whatever we can do to give them those skills. Um, and I, th- I think it will really kind of set them up for, for success in the future in terms of making healthy choices. And um, when kids go out to college and things like that, they're probably going to, you know, make some choices that we don't necessarily want for them in terms of, like, well, life in general, but with when it comes to food, right? So that's their chance to kind of get out there, experiment, make their own mistakes. Um, so that doesn't mean necessarily that you've failed in terms of teaching your kids those skills, but at some point they'll be able to fall back on what that information that they have and that knowledge, and um, it'll definitely serve them in the end. It's a good, good foundation, it sounds mm-hmm. like, to, to really show kids and, and have them experience themselves how to prepare real food. Right. And also, it kind of sounds like we're also changing the consciousness for for our kids in terms of what food actually is, right? Yes. Instead of it saying, okay, well, food is from a package. Food is Kraft Mac and cheese or something. You know, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's actually fruits and vegetables and things are not always necessarily in packages. They could be, mm-hmm. but it doesn't It doesn't always you know, have to be. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's a good point, too, uh, in terms of that you're making in terms of changing the consciousness and, like, taking the moral value away from food, right? Where it's not like good versus bad food. Like you said, it's still food. Macaroni and cheese in a package is still food. Um, It's going to have different value for us compared to whole foods, which will have a lot more nutrient density. So we're getting a lot more in terms of supporting our, our bodies that way. But the macaroni and cheese, it might be 
easy and it fills you up or it's something that you share with your friends that you just both really like and so you connect over it. So coming back to that idea that food has so much more to it than just the nutritional value, um, it's really important to set kids up with those skills to to be able to kind of decipher that and make that choice for themselves in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it sounds like you can combine things like if someone wanted to eat a little salad or some veggies on the side exactly. with the mac and cheese, that could be an option. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Okay. And um, so I think we kind of are talking here about how to strike a balance between eating healthy food and junk food. And, um, you know, I think part of what happens with, with a lot of junk food, let's say, or processed food is that you know, us as parents, you know, we get busy. We're kind of rushing around, do too many, too many, uh, too many plates. We're juggling and things like that. So we know that meal times can be part of that busyness, part of that stress, you know, for parents. So what do you, what tips or tools do you recommend to make uh, meal times easier for for us parents? Uh, yeah, well, um, again, part of that can be including your kids. Sometimes that is more stress than help. It kind of, so you have to kind of figure out timing, I guess, around food. If it's a busy weeknight, maybe it's a little trickier to get your kids involved. But um, once they have those skills, that can help out a lot. You can say, here, I need you to make this side dish, right? Like, take care of the salad for me today. And they'll know what to do. And you don't. that will take a lot of stress off of you. And again, that's part of the long game. But um, in the moment, one of the things that can be really helpful um, in terms of uh, uh, you know, trying to help your kids get all of the nourishment that they need is serving things family style. Um, this comes down to, you know, or this, this can help with like kids who are um, maybe a little bit hesitant or, or afraid of trying new foods or who kind of get into a rut. Um, so serving things family style and, and letting kids see the, um, uh, see you eating certain things, see it on the table, that's all exposure to food. So it's a great way to bring new foods in and help expand the variety of the food that kids are eating um, by letting them just be exposed to it without any pressure. So that's a big a big um, piece of feeding your kids and, and taking the stress off of yourself to make sure your kids eat perfectly is remembering that it's actually their responsibility to um, decide exactly what they're going to put on their plate and put in their mouths. So you, this actually is, comes from a concept called the division of responsibility. It was developed by Ellen Satter. Um, it's, a, it's actually very kind of basic and simple, but it has a lot of nuance in terms of putting it into practice. But what it does, what it is, is divides up the responsibility between parents and children. So parents have the responsibility of deciding what's on the menu, what time it's being served, um, and, and actually preparing it and serving it. And then kids have the responsibility of deciding from what's being prepared, what do I cho- what am I gonna take uh, and how much. And that, but when you take that responsibility of what your kids are choosing to put on their plate and what they're putting in their mouths, it takes a lot of the pressure off of the parents to be perfect in terms of feeding their kids, right? Because there's a lot of pressure on parents. Um, so it takes the pressure off of you, but it takes the pressure off the kids too. And when the kids don't feel any pressure, they're much more likely to accept new foods more quickly. They might not try it right away. It might just be a matter of it's on the table a couple times before they even put it on their plate. Then it might be they'll, they'll play with it a little. It might be the next time they'll taste it and then they don't like it. And then down the road, they might taste it again and they might enjoy it, right? So. Um, by just having it on the table, letting them take what they want, you have some control over what they have to choose from. Um, you can make sure there's something there that they, you know that they like, so they'll they'll fill up on it, um, so they won't leave the table hungry. But at the same time, um, 
they're being exposed to all of these different foods and will expand the variety of foods that they're eating over time. And I think that's one of the, the again, there's a lot of nuance to it in terms of like, um, if, if a child has, um, you know, a, a, a functional issue in terms of like eating and they're really refusing a lot of foods, this might not be the, the best way to approach it. But in general, this is a, a great um, way to, to take some pressure off of yourself um, to not be so perfect at, at mealtimes. Yeah, and as we always say here, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Exactly. For division of responsibility, it sounds like um, it's really a, a, a simple but revolutionary concept. It's taking that idea of us as adults being the CEO of our own health and also transferring that to kids, right? Yeah. Letting them learn from an early age, hey, they, they can kind of decide, they can be the CEO of their own health too. They can be guided in you know, menu planning and everything mm -hmm. with the, you know, from the parents, but ultimately it's up to them. And I, I love that idea of taking the pressure off of the kids and the parents too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and even beyond taking the pressure off the kids, it gives them some autonomy um, and a sense of control mm -hmm. versus somebody plopping a bunch of food on your plate and saying, here, this is dinner. You have to eat all of this before you can have dessert or something like that. And it really takes a lot of the power away from the food too. It takes a lot of that um, tension out of the whole situation. I remember I was in grade school and I had to eat some peas and I, I you know, you have to like taste everything and then if you don't, you know, eat it, you get in trouble. So I, yeah. I ended up like vomiting it. And then it's it's taken like, you know, 40 plus years to try to get get back into eating peas. But it's kind oh of an gosh. interesting thing. So yeah, sometimes it can, it can cause some, you know, many traumas as well, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, now, for kids that you said that, you know, this can work for kids that don't have, um, you know, issues with trying new foods, but how do you recommend working with kids who may have some difficulty, either either some or, or some major difficulty even in, in trying new foods? They mm -hmm. might have a limited diet and th things like that. Yeah, um, well, one of the things is to kind of figure out whether it's, it's um, whether your child is really restrictive in food to a point where they have like less than 10 foods that they're willing to eat. Um, or if they're lose, not, not gaining weight or losing weight, that's a time to maybe take them to be evaluated for something that, that they may need some type of occupational therapy or something like that to help them uh, get past that. Sometimes um, functional issues with like the muscles in, in their mouth um, makes it harder to chew or swallow and some occupational therapy can, can help a lot with that and really expand the variety of what they're eating. So that's a time to kind of get some outside help. In general, for kids um, who, who are really, um, uh, you know, refusing to try new things, the idea of taking the pressure off with that division of responsibility, like kind of coming back to that same idea, um, if kids are not, you know, failing to, if they're failing to thrive, that's when you get outside help. If they're doing okay in terms of like they're on their growth charts, they're growing as they're as expected, um, and you know, there's not a major concern about health. Really trying to dive into, um, you know, getting them involved in the kitchen. And again, taking the pressure off that, like sometimes pressure looks in, looks in a way, or it shows up in a way that doesn't we don't think of as pressure, but just encouraging a kid or cheering for a kid who tries broccoli for the first time, that is telling them this is good when you try broccoli. The other times I'm not cheering for you. That's not that's not good. That's not what I want. That's pressure, right? So it's internalized as pressure, even if we don't consciously recognize it that way. So I think that's a big piece of it is kind of letting kids just see you um, eating in a certain way, modeling it for them, providing the option, but not not pressuring. And it's really a tricky. Um, 
it's a tricky thing to kind of navigate in the moment and, and we're all gonna kind of stumble as we're, we're doing it. So again, <laughs> I don't mean for that to sound like you have to be perfect in terms of no pressure because we're all gonna end up pressuring at some point. But um, you know, as much as you're, as you're as able, just kind of um, letting the child experiment a little and get involved, I think is the best way really to help kids be less picky um, as long as there's nothing else going on outside of just sticking you know mm -hmm. kind of being sticking their heels in and refusing because they, they want to have autonomy i think that's a big piece of it so we don't want to say we must not put pressure on our kids and <laughs> put pressure on that statement right yeah um and many parents struggle with eating healthy themselves um uh, when their kids have food in the home that they're trying to avoid so in other words um the, the foods that maybe we don't want to give our kids, maybe we're eating ourselves. So what do you recommend for parents in this scenario? <laughs> um, well, so if, uh, there are a couple of kind of thoughts that come to mind with that one. Um, one is having less of those foods in the house and remembering that there's not, like not labeling food as parent food and kid food. Um, you know, you, you ultimately are trying to teach your kids to make more choices that are kind of whole food type of choices. So maybe having less of those types of foods in the house more of the like, I guess cliche like fruit and nut butter or hummus and carrot sticks, right? Um, having those as options too for the kids, so that when um, you know the like bag of potato chips, for example, runs out for the week, um, there, there are other options there too for snacks, mm -hmm. and everybody kind of can can you know. That's not a health food. A potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's delicious, right? It's <laughs> that value, but it's definitely not serving you uh, yeah, health wise. Yeah, but right, um, okay. yeah, and then um, let's see. So when it comes to also, I think a lot of times when parents are um, you know struggling with healthy eating themselves, the kids see that. You know, even if we're trying not to like let them see us dieting or things like that they they see that so remembering that you're uh, you're modeling the behavior for them can be really helpful um f working on your own relationship with food is the best way to do that so I'll, i mean i think probably all of us have some uh some issues with our relationship with food you know right. we have so Absolutely. many external um uh uh, cues coming in telling us we should be a certain weight, you should go keto, you should, you know, mm -hmm. you should not eat meat. You know, so many conflicting uh, pieces of information coming in from outside, and we kind of lose touch with what's going on inside and what our bodies are telling us. A lot us. of shoulds, which sounds like it's very judgmental, you know, yeah, yeah. From, from outside, and then we internalize that, like you said. No, that, that's, that's a great point. Uh, what do you think about mixing fruits and vegetables into other types of foods to, you know, kind of bring, incorporate that in, into uh, the diet for, for children? Um, so I don't really, I, it can be really tempting to like mix things in and blend it in so they don't see it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not completely opposed to that because sometimes it is a matter of how you present the food to them. Um, so a kid might not accept like a, raw, a whole spinach leaf, but they might love a smoothie that has spinach blended into it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it shouldn't be hidden that that's what's in there. Um, right. Because again, it's about the exposure to it. If you're hiding it from them and then they find out in the future, they're not gonna trust you. Yeah. And, and, and I think trust is a huge piece of the, the whole building a relationship with food uh, for your kids. You know, like, if This they is a spinach leaf, yeah. this is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, so not a big fan of stealth mode, it sounds like, yeah. Uh, not so much, no. <laughs> okay, great. 
Uh, and then uh, we know that, you know, in functional nutrition, it's very important to support gut health overall. What do you recommend to help support the gut health of children using uh, both nutrition and also supplements at times? Um, when it comes to supplements with kids, it's um, for gut health specifically, um, there are some like probiotic strains that are they're lower like lower CFU, so they are more appropriate for kids. You don't want to overdo it because you can certainly um, cause issues by by giving them too much. But in general, unless there's really a a, um, a clear reason to give them a supplement, I think sticking with food. So like if they've been on antibiotics, you might want to do a, a low dose supplement uh, probiotic for them for a short term. But um, I think. Um, really sticking with the, the food. So things that will help feed their their gut bacteria, help keep things moving, um, help them, you know, a, a lot of times kids will struggle with constipation because they don't eat enough fiber. Mm. Um, so, you know, trying to make sure you've got enough fiber in their diet. And I think we can go overboard with the fiber too. Like people hear that they might like throw tons of chia seeds into their kid's diet, which you know, it will kind of, it can be very filling when you add a lot of fiber. So then they're not eating other things that they need. So not to say like be, um, you know, overly zealous with the fiber, but um, adding, trying to get some fruits and vegetables in there um, will help to feed the gut bacteria, help to keep things moving. Um, try to keep them drinking water throughout the day. That will help as well. Um, and then Fermented foods are, are a great way to help, you know, feed their gut bacteria and keep things healthy uh, from that standpoint. They, they have a lot of variety, even more than what you'll find in a probiotic supplement. So I always, I, I prefer to use fermented foods anyway, um, if, if we're going to choose one or the other. Um, and so things like yogurt or sauerkraut, there are lots of fermented vegetable brands out there right now. Um, some pickles are fermented, not all, but that can be a good option. Um, and miso is a great option as well. So you can make like a broth out of it, or you could use it as like a dressing for, for different things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. All really delicious uh, options. Uh, I always say this on this podcast, but I, I always like this um, uh, Hex Ferments company from mm -hmm. Baltimore. Have, yeah. do, you, do you like that one mm -hmm. for yeah. probiotics? They're great. Uh, prebiotics, yeah. uh, sauerkraut. Um, I guess the other thing I was wondering is, do you ever go out with your kids to eat? And, and you know, there's, there's always this kids menu, which has mm -hmm. basically three items, pizza, chicken fingers, and <laughs> mac and cheese. That's yeah. usually the, no matter what kind of restaurant you're going to. What do you think about kids menus and how would you approach that if someone's dining out? Yeah, well, when we when we dine out, I try to just take off as much pressure as I can. I prefer not for, for them to choose not from the kids menu because like we talked about you know the idea of um trying to introduce them to whole foods and like not having this idea that there's kids food versus adult food but there are always going to be instances where you get there and the kids really want that grilled cheese that's on the kids menu right and so again it, it kind of comes down to the idea of taking off the pressure maybe when you go out to eat and you're giving your kids options you let them pick whatever they want, and then the next meal you come back to kind of the habits that you're trying to build in terms of uh, bringing in more nutrient-dense whole foods. Okay, great. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Holly. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think this is so important to really cultivate these healthy relationships with food, both for ourselves and our children, mm -hmm. so we can kind of you know educate the next generation on what real food is, but like you said, not have too much pressure put on ourselves either. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really great advice. Thank you so much. Um, and we have some closing questions for all of our guests. So if you don't mind, we wanted to ask you, do you have any morning routine 
Uh, well, <laughs> well, since uh, since daylight savings, it's kind of fallen away a little bit. Just a little bit of a struggle in the morning to get up and do it, but it's nothing fancy. It's um, I, I wish I could say I was one of those people who like gets up and does yoga or something, but really my cat wakes me up generally and like leads me to the kitchen to feed her, um, and then I make some coffee and I just sit on the couch and I kind of enjoy the silence for a little bit before the kids get up. I try to get up like 20 minutes early just so I can just sit in mm-hmm. peace. Um, and that, it, I guess it's kind of my own form of meditation <laughs> in a yeah. way. It's not yeah. uh, uh, like, um, I guess as structured as some meditation practices are, but it just really, that silence before we get started and just a little bit of breathing is really, really helpful to get me on the right foot. It's the best thing in the morning, some silence. And yeah kind of gets you started on the right foot. That's great. What book or podcast are you enjoying the most right now, and why do you enjoy that? Oh, um, <laughs> so books, I don't, I generally am reading books with my kids at bedtime. I don't have my own books right now, but I do listen to podcasts. Um, I like, there's one called Ologies. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before, no. um, but it's um, it's a woman, she's a scientist, and she, um, she I think her tagline is like she interviews different ologists, so all of these different um studies of all of these different things uh, I think the most recent one I listened to was about bats and it's actually kind of fascinating to just kind of dig into like listening to these experts um, talk about all of the different components of you know, all the different sciences really and like how it, it kind of comes together to as like a small piece of what's going on in the whole world I think it's really yeah, interesting that is so interesting yeah. I'd love to hear an interview on meteorologists because the weather's been pretty crazy yeah, recently it has yeah yeah <laughs> kind of figure that out. What do you do every day to cultivate joy? I mean, joy is so important in, in terms of health and wellness. Mm, it's really important. Yeah, I think um, really it's different every day what what brings joy. Um, a lot of times it's connecting with my kids, like, it, like taking 10 minutes just to go outside and play, which I think we forget to play a lot of the time. That That's really huge. It's been a lesson that they've taught me, actually. Um, but I think just anything that um, where I t- I'm consciously trying to be present in the moment um, is, is huge in terms of bringing joy because it kind of makes everything else fall away. Uh, and I really, you know, I, I may be making art. It might be just connecting with a friend. Um, but really um, just becoming present is, is huge, a huge piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Joy is infused in that present moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. so great. Yeah, and I think play is as important, if not more, than work. You know, I think mm-hmm. we can infuse the play into work as well. But taking that time with kids to you know play with them is really great. Mm-hmm. Love doing yeah. that as well. That's great. Well, Holly, I know you're amazing nutritionist here at at CIH. You do have a special interest in family nutrition, working with kids twelve and up, right? Mm-hmm. How can listeners learn more about you and work with you? Um, well, they, and you can find me on the website. I have a bio at the Capital Integrative Health website. Um, I think it's capitalintegrativehealth.org. Is yeah, CIHealth.org. Right? Yeah, CIHealth.org, yes, yes. sorry, I should know that. Uh, but it's on Google, too, so <laughs> we, can, we can all Google it and make sure that that's the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're a patient here, um, you can you know request a, an appointment with nutritionists, any one of our amazing nutritionists here, um, but you can specifically request me if you have questions. Um, related to, you know, the family uh, nutrition as well. Yes. Thanks so much, Holly, for being on today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for our listeners, too, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast to reach more listeners. 
Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us.